This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. morning to you. Welcome in to the Action Line from WGNS. This morning we are going to be talking with Chief Mark Fuchs from the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue and a lot happening locally and a lot uh, that you need to know about. Chief Fuchs, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Great to have you with us today. It's great to be here and it's great to see you, sir. With the weather changing, obviously fall is in the air and we've had uh, just a few cold, cold nights uh, down into the freezing points. Folks are uh, putting a fire in the fireplace, getting things, trying to get them warm in the house. That often creates problems, doesn't it? Yes, it does, Uh, especially when we first encounter cold temperatures. Um, A lot of people kind of uh, are in in haste to get those heaters working and and some of those uh, other items working and and things like that. So we just want to remind folks uh, that are using especially space heaters or fireplaces or other types of heat other than central heat and air, uh, for the most part, to to be mindful of everything going on with those, uh, especially when it comes to uh, space heaters. And we might remind everybody time and time again, we, we see people that are just putting those too close to combustible materials. Uh, they have to be at least three feet away, especially from the front side, but we recommend being three feet from uh, the front and both sides of the, the space heater and even all the way around it uh, as a recommendation to make sure that we don't have any combustibles igniting because of that heat. And, and what will happen is um, combustible materials will get hotter and hotter over time as that heat, uh, as they're exposed to that heater within that short of a distance, and, and it will eventually ignite in flames. Um, oftentimes smoldering for a little bit before the homeowners even realize that anything is going on with that and uh, things are happening. So it's a um, it's definitely something to watch out for. Uh, if people are still using kerosene heaters, we, we highly recommend not using those, using other types of heat sources other than kerosene because of um, the gases that it gives off within the house, but also they're very, very dangerous to refill and, and get working appropriately when you're when you're using them inside the house, but we would just recommend extreme caution with those if you're using kerosene heaters. And then, as always, with uh, other types of heat, uh, fireplaces and et cetera, we just recommend that you have a uh, someone certified as a chimney sweep or someone certified that come out and look at your fireplace and make sure your firebox is still intact, uh, make sure that your, uh, your flue is clean. Um, also, make sure you're burning the type of wood that you should be burning, and not something that's going to leave a lot of creosote in the in that uh, in your flue that could could ignite and, and cause a fire in your actual chimney flue. So, we see a lot of those things this time of year, and we just thought it was a good time to remind everybody to make sure that they're being safe with all those things. 
Uh, as always, uh, if you need us, uh, you can always call us if you smell something that you feel like's burning. A lot of times, what this time of year, we'll get someone that uh, is kind of using their heat on their central heat and air system for the first time, and there'll be a little bit of dust on the coals of that heat, and um, they'll smell that smoke or they'll smell that smell of that, that burning off. That's pretty common, um, but if you're concerned about it, as always, call uh, 911 and, and ask for us to come out and kind of look at it if you're concerned about it, or you can call our administrative offices if you've got concerns about any of those things that we can come out non-emergency wise and just come over to your house and and take a look at your heating sources or or other things plus we also want to make sure that everybody's got smoke alarms in their homes and so very important um, smoke alarms are very important and we want to make sure that everybody has working smoke alarms Uh, if you need smoke alarms uh, if you um, at any time anywhere you can call um, our fire department administration offices it's uh, 615-893-1422 uh, and we will get some of those uh, smoke alarm installations scheduled for you. We'll actually install them in your home. Uh, we'll look at the situation with the smoke alarms, make recommendations on if they need to be replaced or otherwise. But as always, we want to make sure that you have working smoke alarms in your home. Now, I had heard somewhere along the line that those smoke alarms need to be replaced ever so often. Yes. Um, smoke alarms really have a lifespan of about 10 years. And so if your smoke alarms are older than 10 years or you wonder if they're older than 10 years we can come out and check them make sure that the dates are in line Uh, but everybody needs to have working smoke alarms they don't need to be any more than 10 years old and the the reason for that is they just lose their effectiveness after that amount of time the the things the little radiation detectors that are in there that detect the smoke and etc ionization uh, alarms just really lose their effectiveness over that after a 10-year time frame and we want to make sure that they are effective and they're going to work when you need them to work and so that's why we recommend putting them in after a 10-year time frame. Now some people have had the uh, burglar alarm systems installed in their home that also has a smoke detector attached to it Uh, and and you don't usually think about those but should we look at those smoke alarms too? Yes. Uh, anytime that you have, a, and, and that's a good point, the, the ones that are installed by an alarm company need to be looked at. As, they still need to be replaced after 10 years. Typically, your alarm company a lot of times will upgrade those for you. And if you have wired-in smoke alarms, you need to make sure that those are not over to, older than 10 years. Make sure that you get those replaced. And there's a those are very easy to replace uh, pretty much. You just have to find the appropriate circuit breaker to turn them off and then just you know put the new... Um, smoke alarm in with a little detector but also most alarms that are wired in have battery backup to them and so a lot of people forget about those batteries because they've got electricity wired smoke alarms and so those typically don't uh, go bad that often but you need to make sure that you're checking those at least every year or so to make sure that those batteries are still good and they're going to work if your power to be were to be out. And some of these batteries are really long-lasting batteries, but you don't want to wait until the end of that uh, expiration term. Yeah, the the new alarms that we are installing now uh, in a program with, uh, it's called Get Alarm Tennessee. It's a program through the state fire marshal's office that we utilize to install smoke alarms in homes. Those are 10-year lithium-ion batteries. Ten, did you say 10-year? Yeah, they're 10-year batteries, and so you don't have to do anything with the alarm except for check to make sure that it's still working on the little test button for 10 years. And then after 10 years, you just replace the alarm, which goes right along with the time frame that the alarm yeah. will work. 
And that's so unbelievable. <laughs> those alarms um, work really, really well. Uh, that's what we've been installing for some time now, putting them in homes, and seem to be very, very effective. Now, you were talking earlier about the heaters and different types of heaters. Uh, I've always been confused with heaters, uh, wanting to get a little extra heat in one place or another, and now there are so many choices. Is there one choice that is safer than others? I mean, there's infrared, there's laser, there's uh, all of these, uh, just a plain old electric heater, uh, and you, you suggested the ones that are uh, propelled, you know, run by gasoline or something, don't use those inside. Yeah, we, we really strongly encourage not to use kerosene-based heaters inside the house. You know, there are still some old, like, stack heaters. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty safe because um, they don't produce the, the flames or they don't produce the gases that a kerosene heater would. Um, but with kerosene heaters and any type of heaters like that, you need to make sure the area is well ventilated. Most of your heaters, the electric heaters, the ceramic disc heaters, the infrared, the laser, all of those are very safe. Um, the big things to make sure of is that your heater has a UL listing on it, um, that, it's, that it's been looked at and has a UL listing. You need to make sure that it's got tip over or tip protection, what we call, that it will cut off if it's tipped over accidentally. You know, if, a, if one of your pets accidentally tips that heater over, we don't want to make sure that it's not upside down on carpet or on your hardwood floors or other things like that that can catch those on fire. So make sure it's got tip protection and um, and just make sure that it's in good working order. The cords are not frayed uh, and especially that you're not putting anything combustible in front of any one of those heaters. And I know that a lot of those heaters really, you, you think, okay, they're safe and they can be around stuff because it's a smaller heater and it's ceramic disc or it's a infrared heater. So those are not, don't have the coals that something material-wise can get up against. But like I mentioned earlier, if it's too close to a combustible material, that combustible com- material could just heat up over time and eventually heat up enough to where it starts smoldering and then causes a fire uh, just by that heater being too close. Now, on earlier broadcast, you gave us some shocking news about how quickly houses and businesses, too, ignite because of the curtains, the material in the curtains, the upholstery, things of that sort. If a little heater flips over, and it's on your carpet. Are the carpets uh, treated so they are non-combustible, or do they catch on fire too? Uh, they can catch on fire too. Yeah, they're uh, they're not treated for combustibility, and so they are made mostly out of synthetics. Uh, and you know, you can have different materials made out of different things. Uh, I know there's a corn-based uh, uh, carpet out there now, but most carpets have synthetics in them, just like all of our furniture do, our furniture does, and everything else. And uh, those synthetics can really, really heat up fast. Um, when they heat up, they will start to, when anything heats up, it starts to give off little vapors. Those things give off vapors a whole lot more quickly than wood or cotton or other natural products. And so they start to heat up and they can catch on fire a lot faster than, than wood fibers or anything that's uh, cotton-based or, you know, that's not a synthetic material. But most of the things that are in our homes now and our offices and businesses are all, made out of some type of synthetics there's very few things that are made out of solid wood uh, and cotton and cotton batting or you know feathers for uh, for the comfort of the couch or the or pillows or anything like that just about everything's made out of synthetic material foams and all those things and synthetic materials are always made up of some type of petroleum-based uh, material uh, to make those synthetics and so petroleum-based materials are what our cars burn on and so it's it's very easy for those to right to catch on fire when they're in that situation and it is 
very imperative in those situations because we have those materials to have working smoke alarms because getting out of your home or getting out of that situation very quickly is imperative because those gases that those synthetic materials produce can incapacitate you very, very quickly uh, and, and cause uh, you to lose consciousness or lose your situational awareness of where you're at and become disoriented. And, and that's why we just ask people, if you, if you have a fire in your home that's any size whatsoever, don't try to put it out. Get out of your home. Call 911 um, and just make sure that you're safe because it will produce a very um, toxic smoke in very quick amounts in those situations, and we just want everybody to be safe in all those situations. I remember when we were growing up, we always had a certain place outside that the whole family would meet. That way you knew where to go for safety, and also the parents would know that you're out there and you're safe. Even more important these days, it sounds like. Yes, for for any parents that have children or otherwise, it's more and more important not to go back into a structure. You may think, okay, I've got a clear enough pathway that I can go in and check on this, or I can go grab my wallet, or I can grab this pet, or you know, someone's in the house. But any time that you have to re-enter that structure, uh, we highly recommend not to ever do that because, like I said, those those gases can overtake you very quickly. You can become disoriented. All of a sudden, you don't know the direction to go to get out of the home, and you're incapacitated and, and in most of the time in very, very bad shape in a real quick amount of time when that happens just because of the toxic gases that these things give off. It's not it's not the old wood smoke that, uh, you know, my dad was a firefighter for years, and I remember back in those days they didn't even wear air packs um, when they went into those buildings as, as firefighters because it was wood smoke and it was natural materials, and, yeah, it would... Uh, it would affect you as far as your nose running and your eyes watering and things like that, but it wasn't toxic to you to breathe in. The things that we're breathing in now, that the things that are in our home, if they're producing smoke, it is toxic. I mean, when, when did that change come about? Um, mostly in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, we saw a big shift to mostly synthetic-based materials. That's when that started, and then now pretty much everything is made out of synthetic materials. It's just cheaper to manufacture as far as furniture and those kind of things and you don't have to uh, compete in the marketplace for those materials to be produced whether it's cotton or wood or those kind of things you're, you're using those things and, and even if you're using wood products that's typically you're using it as a laminated material well laminates are glue and so they're they're all glued together so even if it's wood it's chipped wood or it's uh, particle board that's pressed together and, and put together with glue and glue will melt and glue will heat up and and those kind of things and, and fall apart and so it's a um, all those things happened in the late 80s to early 90s, and we really saw a shift uh, starting then, but we really see that now more so than ever. Do you think that we'll ever go back to the regular products, or do you think it'll get even more toward the synthetics? I think it'll actually go more towards the synthetics because it's just, like I said, it's cheaper to make. Uh, it's easier to produce. Uh, it takes less time to produce those materials and products. Uh, and uh, and with it being less expensive for the manufacturers to produce, that's the direction they're going to go. And that's why we just ask everyone, knowing that, uh, to be very cognizant of the dangers in your home that are, that are there that did not used to be there years ago. Now, with that in mind and with the change in weather, it, it, obviously cold weather, we turn up the heaters and that creates fires. Have you noticed yet an increase in fire calls that you're getting at the fire department? Uh, not really at this point yet. Uh, I think we've had uh, 
We had a couple of fires over the weekends, but I don't know that they were related to heat. But this time of year is when we typically see a lot of those things happening, especially when it dips down a little bit colder than it was um, this past weekend and for longer amounts of time. You know, if once it gets to where it's cold for three or four or five days, that's where we see a lot of those things. And uh, and they're kind of rare now, but the the one other heater that we want to be very um, everyone to be very aware of, especially if they have bought an older home uh, and they may not have ever um, had owned an older home before. Anytime that you've got wall heat, um, where there's a heater in the wall, most of the time those uh, those heaters do not have a positive off switch, and so they don't they don't turn on or off. They just have a thermostat there, and so when it gets really really cold in a room those heaters will kick on and so we really recommend to have those heaters if you're not using them for heat in a consistent basis to keep those disconnected um just get them disconnected by an electrician to where they're they're completely disconnected and not able to work and then if you are using them for heat just to make sure that you don't put any furniture up against that wall where that heater is located or any other kind of combustible materials that you're stacking up in front of those we've seen situations where people have put bookshelves in front of wall heaters thinking that it was turned completely off and then it doesn't have a positive off and so that environment gets really it gets cold enough in there that heater kicks on and then it's got a bookshelf that's sitting inches away from it that it's mm, heating up yeah. and and those kind of situations so we just want to make sure that everybody's aware of that now for people who have fireplaces whether you use the gas logs or real logs uh, are those something that we need to look at this year also yeah i would recommend even if you have gas logs just to have every few years have a if you use gas logs it burns a whole lot cleaner so you're not worried about the creosote and some of the other contaminants that uh, can get in your fireplace um, flu going up but I would recommend at least every few years having someone that's a, a professional come out and look at your fireplace. They now have cameras and different things like that that they can run up those fireplaces just to make sure that it's intact all the way up, whether it's a masonry or whether it's metal uh, flue going up. We can just make sure that those are intact. Um, but especially if you use wood, make sure that you're using wood that's appropriate to burn and, and not woods that give off a lot of that creosote and they're going to you know, basically put that on your on the inside of your fireplace that can later ignite um, and then every year we recommend if you're burning wood in a wood fireplace to have someone come out and check and, and do a sweep of that fireplace just to make sure um, that you're not building up a lot of those contaminants and materials and make sure that there's no breaches especially if you have a masonry a completely masonry fireplace we really recommend those being looked at because over time um, those mortar joints will start to chip away and get a little gaps in them and things like that and we just want to make sure that that fire doesn't extend out of that that flue or that firebox into the adjoining walls or other things like that so the masonry fire case uh, is actually sounds like it might be more prone to having problems it it can because and, and even nowadays even if you're going with a completely um brick built chimney a lot of times they're lining those with a metal flue up the up the center of those just to make sure that you've got that protection um, but a lot of our older homes have got fireplaces in them that are just purely masonry. And we can see those where you'll have that that mortar joints will chip out. And, and those situations cause us to uh, have fire that will uh, potentially extend into the, the adjoining walls and other areas uh, that are directly in line with those fireplaces. And so they do cause some some issues more but we can also have issues with metal especially with the joints that are in the metal going up you know if it's not a continuous uh, continuous flue if it's high enough to where you're going to have joints in there we need to make sure that those joints are still in place and that's why we would have you look at have a professional look at it at least every few years 
uh, even if you're burning natural gas or propane. We're talking today about fire safety and the Murfreesboro Fire Department. The chief of the fire department, Mark Fawkes, is our guest. And we're about to enter the segment where it's your show. So if you have a question for Fire Chief Fawkes, give us a call or text us, whichever's best for you, 615-893-1450. you get that? 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. Get the latest local real estate information, lawn and garden tips, and more Saturdays at noon on the Rutherford Home Show with Dean Higby and Dave Clover here on WGNS. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro, offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Enjoy gentle joint exercise in the indoor pool, our soda shop, and many planned activities and trips for every taste. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car, and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to. Curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at demasrestaurants.com. Hi, this is Riley down at Music World and Drummer's Den inviting you to come and shop with us. We're at South Church right across from Indian Hills. Well, we service professionals to brand new players. So our lessons are $25 for a 30-minute lesson. We go from beginner to all the way up professional. Come on over to the Music World and Drummer's Den. We're at 2762 South Church right across from Indian Hills. Hi, this is Riley down at Music World and Drummer's Den inviting you to come and shop with us. Still quite a bit of traffic volume here on 24, making your way up through the Hickory Hollow area, headed towards Nashville. They were moving a stalled vehicle a few minutes ago on 24 eastbound. It's uh, not too far from Sam Ridley. Traffic's still in pretty good shape right now on here as far as interstate accidents or delays. Hey, to cater your next holiday Christmas party or whatever kind of party, uh, Princess Hot Chicken, give them a call today. Or check them out online at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. We'll see partial sunshine developing this afternoon with a high in the upper 60s. South winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy, alone near 44. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 44. This weather brought to you by First National Bank of Murfreesboro. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is growing to serve you better. Hi, I'm Shelly Rigsby, and in mid-November, our name changes to Capstar Bank. Our staff will be the same, but we'll be able to do so much more. First National Bank of Murfreesboro will soon become Capstar, the full-service bank with a small-town feel. We believe in keeping our personal relationships. First National Bank of Murfreesboro, soon Capstar, member FDIC. 
he's local. Certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Financial Coaching Radio. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. Hey, welcome back. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We're talking about fire protection and Murfreesboro Fire Chief Mark Folks is with us. 615-893-1450. We're in your segment of the show now. This is where if you have a question for the chief, you can call us or you can text us with your question. 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. And here's a question from a listener who is asking about uh, why do you take the large trucks to go to a wreck sometimes? The trucks create a, a traffic issue. Uh, what about that? Yeah, the reason we take uh, the large trucks, both the medical calls and the car wrecks, is that's what we have to have those trained personnel respond on. And the reason we're responding to those car accidents, the only car accidents that we typically respond to are accidents that were reported with injury or entrapment. And so there's several things that we want to make sure that we do on those car wreck scenes. Um, one, provide patient care is first and foremost. Uh, we have at least advanced EMTs on every one of our apparatus um, 24-7, 365 days a year. Um, and a lot of our apparatus have paramedics on them that can treat patients uh, that are involved in those car accidents or on medical calls that they need to be uh, treated immediately when we arrive there. Um, The second reason is we have a lot of equipment on that truck that may need to be utilized on on those trucks that may need to be utilized to cut someone out of a car, uh, which often happens. We call that extrication of a a patient uh, whenever we have car accidents where we have to pop a door to get a patient out or in some cases even more extensively cut a patient out of a car. Uh, when a call is dispatched, we never know whether it's going to be, uh, and it's called in as an injury accident, we never know whether that's going to be a fender bender or the car is going to be on its top or on its side or uh, the impact's going to have, have trapped the victim in the car. And so those are the reasons that we respond to those car accidents and do that. But there are also several other things that we're doing, making sure that there's no flame uh, or, or fire danger from leaking fuel or anything like that. We have our apparatus there to make sure that we can put out a fire if need be on those type of car accidents that are that involved, as well as we're a lot of times cutting the batteries off or cutting, removing the battery cables to eliminate that electricity uh, and all those things that are happening with vehicles. Um, there's a lot of inherent dangers with vehicles nowadays. Uh, after a car has been involved in a collision, especially if front end, you know, if the airbags have not gone off, they can go off um, in that meantime if those uh, contacts make contact with each other uh, for the airbag deployment. So we really have to be cognizant of those and make sure that we're cutting off the uh, the electricity to the car coming through the battery and doing different things like that on motor vehicle accidents and having that equipment there. Here's a text from another listener. They say that they're looking at getting a car that has some battery operation in it bigger than the normal batteries and they're wondering are those safe or do they catch on fire more yeah what we're seeing with the battery and electric vehicles we're seeing more and more electric vehicles in fact um, believe it or not the city of los angeles just purchased several electric fire apparatus and so that's kind of a wave going into the future of of electric vehicles the electric vehicles um 
when they first came out years and years ago, and a lot of people don't realize that electric vehicles have been out probably in the marketplace um, 15 years or so now. Those We were having some issues with those up front, uh, but now uh, electric vehicles are just as safe as a, a gasoline-powered car, if not more safe, in that they have a lot of cutoff controls and electrical or a lot of things that are in place there. Now, they are still dangerous if those batteries get compromised or things like that, just like any um, thing that could be dangerous with a normal car uh, would be. But for the most part, those are very, very safe. Uh, we don't see a lot of those catching on fire, especially, you know, people worry about charging them in the garage and, and all those kind of things. We just haven't seen that very much whatsoever. And with the amount of electric vehicles that are out there now, especially totally electric vehicles, uh, we just really haven't seen that many issues with those. We feel like they're very safe. Okay. Uh, another question from a listener. This one says, my mother-in-law just moved in with us, and she sometimes forgets that uh, something is on the stove in the kitchen. She's warming something up for herself, and uh, we come in and find the stove on with the item boiling on the stove. How can we show that that is just a dangerous thing? How can we change that? Well, one of it, it's, a, it's an education thing, and I know that um, people forget uh, that they've placed people or items on the stove or different things like that. Um, some of the new stoves have lockout controls on them to where you can actually lock the, lock the knob controls and eyes um, to where you can't get into them unless you press a code and some of those things, and, and those, those are available on some stoves. We know that, um, but it's... So what would you ask for? You're going into a store, do you ask for yeah, a certain ask, stove? Yeah, ask if they've got the lockout controls for the knobs, and a lot of the ones with the knobs down low uh, have got those so that a pet or a child can't turn the knob. And so those may be... Um, that may help even if the uh, even if the the elderly person knows how to, to bypass that. It may be a reminder to them, I can't leave this on the stove mm-hmm. or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's a timer uh, when it comes to the knobs and, and the stove control in place. We haven't seen any of those, but uh, it's it's mainly just an educational piece to, to say this is very, very dangerous. You can't can't leave anything on that stove burning because um, we see that a lot unattended cooking fires or what we call them and and that's one of our highest causes of fires where people put something on the stove leave it on there especially if it's something that they're frying or grease laden or if all the water water burns away and, and you've got you know some type of beans or chili or something like that that can eventually ignite because it'll burn everything away and then you've just got the material and it'll start flaming up and, and catch the cabinets above or otherwise on fire and so um, if they're really, really concerned about it, they make some suppression systems that actually will install into a into a regular residential hood vent that would put it out if it were to flame up. That's something that they could explore or look at. Um, but it's it's mainly just the educational piece of we really can't be doing anything with the stove and, and leaving anything on there um, and making sure that you're diligent about watching that. Well, I'm glad this person sent us this question about unattended cooking because, like you say, that is a... I see on news stories a lot of those uh, throughout the year. I mean, it's not just cold weather. It's yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> any time. And it's any age because people uh, people just forget. They get busy, especially in the days of video games and smartphones. Even even younger folks will, will do that. They'll they'll go back to the couch while something's cooking on the stove and and take a nap or fall asleep uh, you know while they're while they're waiting on it to cook and and then all of a sudden you have an unattended cooking fire and so we just ask everybody to be in and around that kitchen area whenever you're you've got anything on the stove um, attend that stove regularly and make sure that everything is okay and uh you know and 
And the other thing that's out there nowadays is we have a lot of other things that are out there that you can utilize instead of the stove. Um, so air fryers are much more safe because they've got a timer on them and they will shut off at that point in time. Oh, okay. You know, um, crock pots will cook at an even temperature and not really cause any danger as far as that goes. And so there's other options out there as well that we would tend to kind of look toward to be able to cook or or do some of those things. But uh, but really, it's just the making sure that it's attended all the time is the best way to ensure that you're not going to have that type of fire. Now, when you see a fire on the stove, the first thing you, you think about is throwing water on it or getting the sprayer and spray water on it. Uh, is water, does some does that sometimes create a bigger issue? Water does a lot of times on stoves create a bigger issue because a lot of times when, you're, when you'll have that, the big flames that are coming, it'll be grease-laden uh, materials where you're frying something you'll get a flame up of that of what's frying on the stove and all of a sudden you got that flame uh, the biggest thing to do there um, one don't use water at all because it's going to splash that flames push those flames mm, onto okay. and those oils that are involved in that that grease onto your uh, the rest of your countertops or you know the underneath of the cabinets and on the cabinets etc so it will push that and actually extend the fire so the best thing to do is turn the eye off uh, if you can reach the eye try to remove um, the item at least from that particular eye move it over to another uh, another eye on the stove if you possibly can whatsoever carefully uh, and then if, if you need to use something to try to get those flames extinguished uh, use either a dry powder extinguisher very carefully or use baking soda baking soda we often say can get there uh, as well or if you can get a lid on on the the pan that you're using a, a lid is very effective in putting that out as well because it eliminates the oxygen source uh, from the fire but we make sure that uh, you're not using wet materials a lot of times when we're having those stovetop fires you're using dry chemicals or a powder like baking soda to mm -hmm. eliminate that or just get a lid on it move it to a different eye to eliminate that heat source coming from the bottom and then it'll hopefully uh, even if you just remove it from the heat source, it's going to eliminate a lot of that heat that's coming from it, and it'll die down very quickly. Uh, but if you can get a lid on it or use baking soda or something like that, that's very effective. So baking, so just plain old baking soda? Yes. Uh, just well, It sounds like you ought to keep a box or so of that around your kitchen all the time. It's not a bad idea. And if you're looking for a fire extinguisher, because sometimes people are saying, well, I don't know what kind to get. Uh, is there a fire extinguisher that's different for the kitchen versus the rest of the house? They do make them that are designed for the kitchen, and, and they're typically, um, they are more designed because they've got the powder in them designed for those grease fires. But a, a lot of times we just recommend getting a what's called an ABC extinguisher, which, is extin which will extinguish just about any combustible material. If, if you're doing that um, but at the same time we we want to use extreme caution you know with something that's as small as a if it's contained to the cooking vessel that's on the stove um, we say yeah go ahead and, and put some baking soda on it try to remove it from heat or doing those kind of things but if you have a fire that's any size whatsoever um, we recommend that not to try to put that out on your own because oftentimes those fire extinguishers are too small and won't be effective enough on that fire um, to try to stay in there and put it out. And like we mentioned earlier, those those gases can overcome you very quickly um, and uh, overwhelm you very quickly, and we can uh, you can become incapacitated very, very quickly. And so we want you to make sure that you get out of the house and remain safe in that regard. Now, one thing that was in the news a while back, your ISO rating of number one. <laughs> That's yes. great. Uh, took effect October the 1st. 
will the general public benefit from, I know it's great to have a great fire department and ISO rating of one, you can't get any better, but will this help us on our insurance? Yeah, ISO rating of one is a is a huge deal, and I want to commend several folks in that. One, our staff, uh, the entire fire department, especially our line personnel that are working out there on the shift, all the training that they've undertaken, all the hydrant testing that they do, and all the different things that they do that are not answering calls that they do consistently every single day has gone a long way toward us achieving that ISO one because it's it's us being prepared to handle any emergency that's happening in our community. Um, but additionally. Um, both Consolidated Utility District and Murfreesboro Water Resources Department, they were huge and instrumental in us getting this this rating. Uh, if, if not for the water supply that we have in the city of Murfreesboro, we would not have gotten that rating, as well as our communication center, Murfreesboro Emergency Communication Center over at our police department goes a long way on how we handle and address those calls. We've made vast improvements, and we're still making more improvements within that center about getting calls processed much quicker and getting them out and they have done a tremendous job and they scored very well in that as well but uh, without all of that collective effort because it's really a community rating more so than it is a fire department rating it does rate heavily on the fire department um, but it also measures water supply and how effectively we uh, answer emergency calls but uh, what we normally see we went from a class two to a class one normally what you will see a lot of is a Mainly business rates uh, get affected more with that than normal. And what typically has happened um, with studies that we've seen, you may get a 3 to 8% reduction in business rates. And for homeowners, it could result in a rate decrease or it could not. It just depends on your insurance company, how they rate things, and how they use the ISO uh, public protection classification within their ratings. Some insurance companies use it completely wholesale, and it will make a difference on rates. Some use that in conjunction with other historical loss data and other things that they rate the community on um, they kind of pull those things together uh, to establish your insurance rate so it's worth checking with your insurance agent yeah, check with um, your insurance guy to do that especially if you're a business businesses uh, may experience anywhere from a three to eight uh, percent decrease in, in insurance rates for their business doesn't cost a thing to tell them it does not we will be back in just a moment uh, we've got some more text questions in and we'll get to those our guest this morning, Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks. The Wake Up Crow, weekday morning, 6 to 7.50. Rutherford County's place to talk. Wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your clothing, gift, pets, any needs that you have for your lawn or garden. And also, don't forget anything you need for your farm. Please come visit us at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Where are you located? 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Do you have to be a member to shop here? You don't have to be a member with us to shop. The Co-op Farm and Home Center on Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. Schedule online anytime. Getting an appointment with Ascension Care Teams at St. Thomas just got easier with online scheduling. Now you don't have to break away from your day to book the care you need when and where you need it. No matter where you are or what you're up to, whether you're a new patient or if you've been here before, just pick the appointment that works for you. 
Schedule online anytime at getsthealthcare.com. We'll see partial sunshine developing this afternoon with a high in the upper 60s. South winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy, alone near 44. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 44. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. Hi, this is Rich Smith with more savings from Haines Bay Hardware. Looking to complete your toolbox? Stop by Haines Bay Hardware for a 34-piece combination, 1-4 inch, and 3-8 inch socket set for only $29.99. Set includes a chrome vanadium steel 72 tooth ratchet that requires only a 5 degree arc swing, adapters, and various sockets in SAE and metric sizes tucked into a shatter resistant case with a removable inner tread. Stop in for these bars in a month today while supplies last at Haines Chevrolet Hardware. 1807 Memorial Boulevard. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back. Our phone number is 615 893 1450. Murfreesboro Fire Chief Mark Fox is with us. Here's another question. This is your segment of the show, by the way. This person says, I have a very old fire extinguisher, and uh, I'm wondering how old is very old, they tell us. Forty years old. That is very old. Uh, can I safely throw it away, or is it a danger? Uh, I think you can basically, uh, I think you can safely throw it away. Uh, a lot of times, um, there are fire extinguisher companies that may um, discard it for you. You may want to call one of them um, because if it's still charged, um, one thing you could do is just discharge it out um, safely into a, a, a garbage bag or something like that. If it's a powder extinguisher, one of those, uh, you can just charge a lot of that powder out outside and safely and get rid of the powder out of it, and that will eliminate the charge from it. And then if it's metal, uh, you can recycle it uh, as a metal and, and kind of take it off as a recyclable and those kind of things. Uh, a lot of older fire extinguishers are capable of being having the powder changed out in them and recharged, so it's something they may want to check with the fire extinguisher company to see if it's that type. What we find a lot of times, though, is as cheap as fire extinguishers have become over the years, it's almost less expensive to go ahead and just buy a new fire extinguisher than it is to try to have something like that. But, but yeah, I would make sure that it's not charged any longer. That way, when you throw it away or when you have it recycled, um, that it doesn't have that pressure on it uh, that you can do. But you can do that outside into a container and get rid of that powder that's in there. If it's 40 years old, a lot of the powder is probably caked up in the bottom of it anyway, and it's not going to come out. But it, as long as you can get it depressurized, it should be safe to, to recycle or get rid of. Now, how, she brings up a, a good question. I'm glad that we got that uh, text message because uh, I think a lot of us have old fire extinguishers around. Uh, how long should you keep them? How long are they usable? Well, most of them have a date on them uh, of when, to, when they expire. And that's when you would either want to, A, have it recharged, or, or B, get rid of it, and it'll it'll put on there. Most of the newer extinguishers that are out are not even capable of being recharged. They're, they're the type that you just basically, they're disposable and you get rid of them. 
uh, but a lot of the older extinguishers are capable of being recharged but regardless of what type if you have a powder-based extinguisher like a common abc type extinguisher the best thing to do is, is get it out at least once a year and just turn it upside down a few times and, and shake it and that way it keeps the powder active in it and just look at the dial to make sure it's still got a charge on it uh, we recommend doing that about once a year and that way you can kind of ensure that it's still going to work if you need it to work and we just got another text in the person says you ought to take the fire extinguisher to 1140 haley road and that i think is the county recycling yes, location i think so 1140 haley road uh bring us up to speed if you would uh, on the fast approach you're putting in some new technology and making some changes uh you mentioned getting the fire units ambulances all of that out more quickly to their destination what's being done how do you do that yeah, well, our dispatch center, Murfreesboro Emergency Communications, is upgrading, and it, it's actually um, we're upgrading to s- several different things. One is a new station alerting software uh, and hardware components that alert our firefighters at the station that is much faster um, than our old previous alerting system. Our old alerting system has been in um, probably better than 20 years now. Uh, our, our Zetron alerting system, now we're going to a, a new um system that's going to alert our fire stations of of when they have an emergency call um, that does lighting in the station as well as tones and and sends out companies in an automated fashion and so it makes things much faster as far as integrating that Uh, additionally our emergency communication center is getting new software uh, that we call call handling guides um, for our dispatchers and so that includes everything from um, how to process police calls, how to handle fire calls, how to process those, what units to recommend for those, um, asking questions to 911 callers to make that a much quicker and efficient process. But additionally, on emergency medical calls, they can ask the questions about what is going on. But while they, even while that's happening, you'll have units going, but those dispatchers have, utilizing that software can give pre-arrival instructions on what to do in that medical emergency, whether it's helping the person try to control breathing or bleeding, uh, whether it's try to breathe for a person or do CPR on a person that's not that's not breathing or that's unconscious and unresponsive to uh, how to handle a chest pain and what to do with the patient doing those. So it's got several different components to it that are going to make our community much safer. Uh, it's going to continue to decrease our dispatch times, which any time that you decrease dispatch times, it that speeds up us getting to those calls, no matter whether it's fire, EMS, police, or whoever. So don't worry about all the questions. The unit is on its way. Yes. And the questions, first of all, keep you busy, so you don't worry. Uh, But they do serve a very important purpose so that when the unit gets there, they will have more information. Yes. And the system is designed completely to where, while the dispatcher is still talking to you, those units are already gone, uh, already en route to your house. Now, a moment ago when we mentioned uh, that the person had texted us saying, send that uh, old fire extinguisher to 1140 Haley Road. We got a text back from that same person and said, remember, that location, 1140 Haley Road, is closed on Friday and Sunday. I've got a feeling these are the folks at the location because they know a lot about it. Uh, It's closed on Friday and Sunday, but they're open Monday through Thursday plus Saturday from 730 to 4. Again, that's 1140 Haley Road. Don't just 
throw it away, in other words. Yep. Uh, and again, if you get, well, not if you get, you need to get a new fire extinguisher. Uh, and, and just, you said ABC, is that the? Yeah, most ABC fire extinguishers, are they're, they're pretty much can handle most any hazard within a home. Um, they're not really designed for electrical fires, but they're designed for just about any other type of fire that's out there. And even if you spray them on electrical components, they're powder-based, and so it's not going to cause an issue um, to you to spray those on electrical components. might not be that effective in putting the fire out, but they will pretty much work on any type of combustible material that you would have in your home. We have about 30 seconds left in the program, and we can cover this more next month, but uh, Christmas trees. Uh, chance before you get on next month, people may have a Christmas tree up. What should they keep in mind? Well, one thing, uh, lighting. You just need to make sure that the check all the wiring uh, with the lights that you're putting up to make sure that there's no frays in there that can get up against a, an ornament or decoration, even if you have an artificial tree. Uh, artificial trees are... Are, are very safe because you know that they, they are synthetic so they will burn uh, eventually but they all pretty much come with a fire protective coating on those trees and then uh, live trees just make sure that you keep those things watered at all times even from the very start of putting that tree in they can dry out very quickly uh, and a dry tree in a home can become a fire hazard in a in a jiffy i mean it, it really happens quick murfreesboro fire chief mark fox our guest this morning now ISO rating of one, number one. All righty. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bart. Truman's next on WGNS Murfreesboro.